Hello. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was lovely. I was home with my family. Did a very, you know, traditional Thanksgiving. Family, food, friendship. <laughs> no, it was good. Um, we did Thanksgiving dinner, very traditional on Thanksgiving. Then we had a uh, funeral and celebration of life on Saturday. Uh, yes. That was a, an occasion. And uh, now I'm here. Just the right amount of family time? Just the right amount of family time. Okay. Yeah. I can't relate. <laughs> Why? How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh, let's see. So between Thursday and Sunday, we had four family get-togethers. Dear God. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. Um, that, that's every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every day we had a family get-together. Um, so Thursday we did uh, family Thanksgiving, and we did not do traditional Thanksgiving food. Uh, we did fondue, which in general I think is fun and tasty. And Did you say it's fondue? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so but it was a great idea. And we have done fondue as a family before, and it's always, it always goes great. Um, I think a couple snags. We had slightly too many people, and we had grandparents involved, mm. and they were expecting to just be served sitting down and having a plate put in front of them, and they didn't realize they would have to cook their own food. So they, like, just logistically trying to get food on Thanksgiving was was challenging and frustrating, but it was I'm, good to see family. I'm still confused at the concept of fondue Thanksgiving because fondue in my mind is you have strawberries and you dip them in a fountain of chocolate. Chocolate fondue was involved. There were We did oil, cheese, and chocolate. You just have a vat of oil. <laughs> it's like, it's a small, like, think of like a small... Uh, like crock pot sized. So it's a vat of oil. <laughs> Small vat. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you like put whatever you're cooking on skewers and then you put it into the oil, cooks for a couple minutes. And I mean, in general, you're just eating fried food, but it is good. So we had like little bits of like marinated steak and. Um, you had fried steak? It's very good. It's not battered. So like you don't get like all the. Like the fried batter that's on the okay. on the outside, but okay. it like just like quick flash cooks it. And it. How do you know when it's done? I just kind of eyeball it. <laughs> it's a couple minutes. Well, what if you're a fondue virgin? How would you know? Mm, I would say. I identify as a fondue virgin. I would say make sure you have someone with you that's not a fondue virgin. Maybe a fondue <laughs> battle buddy. <laughs> um, but it was it was nice to see family. And um, there was a couple family members that would not see Jackson on his birthday, so we did a little cupcake for him. So that was birthday number one. And then Friday and, and Sunday, we did just other family gatherings. Saturday was Jackson's birthday party, which was also a ton of fun. Um, he got another cake, more candles, and there was tons of toys, tons of toys. Uh, he's very big into cars and trucks right now. 
So I mean, uh, it was a car themed. It was a car themed right? birthday, so there was a lot of new cars in the house. I think I think I said one of the past episodes. I can't say the c word in the <laughs> house now because he will think that we are going to watch the movie Cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but the birthday was good. Hung out with friends. Um, all of the right friends stayed stayed late. We hung out. And all of the wrong friends left. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I didn't say it, but yes, exactly. The right friends stuck, stuck around. Um, but by the end, like honestly on Sunday, um, I was working on homework, and I forgot that we had another family gathering. And we were like, we're about to get ready to go. And I was like, honestly, I forgot we even had this. I was enjoying like being productive today. And I was like, I forgot. I forgot we even had another one of these. I was so exhausted. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I had one family meal and that was enough for me well he had two birthdays over the weekend like two different celebrations and now with it being the actual day we're gonna do another one tonight jesus yeah it's it's a lot i too like to have three parties for my birthday Mm -hmm. yeah it's very important uh especially for a birthday that you will not remember Mm. I mean, even at this age, I generally don't remember. <laughs> As I was saying that, I was like, this is a different kind of not remembering. It's a different C word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. But that was Thanksgiving. I'm uh, glad, it's, glad it's behind me. Well, now you just have Christmas to look forward to. Wonderful. <laughs> probably, probably another fondue. Maybe, a, maybe some other group cooking event for... <laughs> What's the uh, the Japanese open? Oh, we should do like hibachi, hibachi or something. Yeah. <laughs> holiday hibachi. You just, did festive fondue. Now it's holiday hibachi. We're gonna do Korean barbecue for for Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh goodness. So, I think it's time to explain to our avid listeners how this all came about. Word is getting around that we have a podcast. Word is getting around. Uh, yes. Okay, so for ventures, there's a create your own curriculum. It was really designed to be like, what inspires you? What have you always wondered about? What would you like to get class credit for researching on your own time and just make it your own? Really cool concept. I like the idea of just like, what is something you've always wondered about but never had time or the opportunity to look into. Frankly, so. we still don't have the time. No. <laughs> but now it's become something that we like to make time for. So Riley's idea was, uh, she's a very, very avid podcast listener. How many how many hours did you have for 2023? Well, minutes, I think I had 37,000, according to Spotify Wrap. Yeah, it comes out to about 26 days yep. worth of podcast listening mm-hmm. uh, for, for her one-year Spotify Wrapped. So she wanted to look into the business model of podcasting. How do people yeah. start one? How do they make money at it? How do they continue it? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of branding, there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of just strategy behind having your own podcast, especially for a long time. Yeah. Um, so that was her idea to look into, and I thought it sounded really interesting. I really didn't have an immediate idea, so we started working on this. Um, I was doing most of the like. I would say book research, and she was doing more of the like talking to people and in-person research. And we got to a certain point in the in the book research where I was finding out how you start these things and how do you actually get your podcast streaming. 
And I realized it's really easy. Yeah. And, and that's so I, why everyone has a podcast. Yeah. Well, I got, I got to the point where, like, the next point in research would be, well, can I just, like, make something and upload it to Spotify? Like, is it really that easy? So we then just sort of, like, hatch the idea, like, well, let's try it. Like, we could probably find somewhere to record it. And let's actually, like, our research is just going to be, like, experimenting with it. Record something, put it on Spotify, and the results will be our research. And for context, Ventures is a part of our MBA program. Mm, thank you. We are scholars of business. We pretend. <laughs> um, yeah, and this was not my idea. I'm uh, not a public-facing person, but I couldn't say no. No, I completely agree with I don't think in a million years I would have pictured myself recording a podcast, let alone mm -hmm. making it public. But this is our third episode, and it's been super fun. Yeah, I'm still kind of horrified, but I also have very little shame, so... So far, so far, we are comfortable with telling people we have a podcast, but not <laughs> what it is called <laughs> or how they can find it. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe, uh, maybe people will come into our show and we'll have like 10 or 12 episodes recorded by then. Yeah. Because it'll take us some time. Well, and I have the luxury of having the job of editing these. So anything that I can say that I am later regretting I can just edit out and yep. nobody needs to know um, it has also been very fun editing podcasts mm -hmm. because I have no idea what I'm doing and I think there's some not only benefit but excitement to doing something you've never done before and knowing you can only get better at it so that's kind of cool so I think we've been answering the question, like, what is something we've always kind of wondered about or, like, what's something you've never known much but you've liked to know more? Mm -hmm. um, so Riley gets to, like, edit everything and learn more about that. And you got good at it, like, really fast. I would not say I'm good at it. I learn the basics very quickly. Um, I also get hyperfixated. It's kind of like an ADHD thing where I have a two-week period where I'm like, this is my life now. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. And that has been... This podcast. Um, I've thankfully had a lot of travel lately where I'm just sitting on a plane. So I put on my, my people blocking headphones and just, I am in podcast land for mm -hmm. three hours. And it's great. And then I've gotten to learn all about the different databases where podcasts and music are stored and then how they actually get uploaded and streamed to things like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google mm -hmm. Podcasts. So all of that has been really interesting, and I get to kind of like, now my research is doing it and updating and uploading our episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's neat. We've got like our own concept art and everything. Oh next next step is to do some intro music. I have, you know, I said, I think in the last episode, I've never felt older than when I go to the gym and lift <laughs> at school. Um I've never felt older than trying to make concept art through AI. I got this brilliant idea while I was sitting on my couch the other day that we needed some customized artwork for this podcast. And so I, you know, initially thought I was like, well, I certainly can't draw anything. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so I said, well, I think AI can make art. 
And so I, you know, put into the Google tube, like, AI art generator. And, you know, clicked on the first one that popped up. And it asks you to give, like, a, like a word description of what you're looking for. And so I kind of thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, we're essentially just sitting here chatting. And that's how this kind of came about is, like, we just, whether we're running or, like, you know, between classes, we just talk about anything and everything. So I said, well, maybe, like, two people sitting on a park bench. I'm thinking, like, Forrest Gump. I Mm -hmm. think that's where my brain went to. Yep. And so I typed in young man and woman sitting on park bench having a conversation. And the first image, I looked like, I mean, the the character that is supposed to be me looked like a schoolgirl. And the man was, like, talking down to me. But we were, like, six feet apart on this park bench. It was extremely awkward. It was <laughs> so awkward. You had, like, like that schoolgirl outfit on and everything. Yeah, I was like, this is not what I'm looking for. And so I spent probably an hour, like, honing my message to Mr. AI about what I want. And some of them were okay. Some of them... AI got a little carried away. There was one that was really close, except <laughs> I had an extra arm. <laughs> and I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, had, I for that one I had typed in, like, the park bench wasn't working. So I said, well, let's try one where we're, like, running next to each other. Because when we go running, it's just, like, an hour of, of spilling whatever tea we might have. We, have. we have our tea pace. Yeah. And so I put in, like, man and woman running next to each other having a conversation. And it was pretty good. And I didn't realize until I sent it to you. <laughs> and he said, well, yeah. why do I have three I have arms? Five appendages. And, uh, and I, you know, I didn't realize until I sent it to you. And I was like, well, I suppose that's a limitation of AI. Like, people do not need to be concerned that their jobs are going to be taken from them. Um, so... Eventually, after many, many, many iterations, um, came with one that or came up with one that's acceptable. Yeah, we did not go with the one where I have long, flowing locks. Oh my gosh. like Fabio. There was like a I don't know what it called it. It was essentially like a superhero um, sort of theme or whatever. And it was I looked great. Mm-hmm. You were Fabio. Yeah, that was it was not me. <laughs> Yeah, and then I added the element of microphones. I was like, people talking into microphones, and it went straight into, like, us as pop artists. Oh, we were definitely, like, on the album cover of... <laughs> yeah, so it was it was quite a journey I went on. Yeah. And I got all of those messages in rapid succession. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were trying to eat dinner with your family. And I was <laughs> it like, was one of my family this gatherings. This is way more important. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. I think it's time. I think you have a story for us. Oh, are you ready for the story now? I think I'm ready for the story. Well, you kind of already guessed it, which I'm not surprised by, but you're still going to laugh at what I found. Perfect. But it is a a haunting story. It's a little spooky story. I love a spooky story. Um, But I, so I was looking through trying to find haunted ships, so trying to find like a ghost ship. And so, but what I did find was potentially the most haunted submarine in history. Are you surprised? I'm shocked. Yeah, not surprised at all. Potentially the most haunted submarine in history. So 
The most well-known legend of a haunted submarine is that of a German U-boat in World War I, U-65. According to accounts from her crew, U-65 was cursed from the very start. Oh, boy. Multiple accidents and mysterious deaths occurred both during the ship's construction and during her first few voyages, but none are more influential than the death of her second officer, a man named Lieutenant Richter. What is a second officer? It would be like uh, second in command. So you'd have like the captain and then whoever is his second in command. It's like co-pilot. Co-pilot, executive (laughs) officer, uh, first mate. Yeah, none of these things mean anything to me. I am trying. (laughs) Uh, U-65 was built in 1917 alongside other vessels that were like her in a shipyard in Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg. Thank you. (laughs) However, unlike the sister ships around her, U-65 seemed to be prone to a high number of accidents. During her construction, a steel beam collapsed and crushed two dock workers. Oh, boy. One was killed immediately, but the other one screamed in agony for two hours before succumbing to his wounds as his fellow dock workers tried to free him. On another occasion in the shipyard, three engineers were unaccounted for at the end of the day. They were later found dead in the engine room of U-65, apparently having been exposed to toxic fumes as a result of a flaw in the engine, all slipping away into death without knowing that the air they were breathing was fatal. Jesus. Okay, so the subs that you worked on in the Navy are nuclear-powered. Correct. Were they nuclear-powered at this time, too? They were not. So when it says, like, there was a toxic fumes from the engine... Yeah. They're getting something like carbon monoxide poisoning where they just don't know that the air that they're breathing is being replaced. So is it like a gas? Yeah. Power? It'd oh. be like a, yeah. So they would have batteries, very, very, very big batteries um, to power them while they're underwater. And then they would have a diesel engine that would charge mm. the battery. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, they would have to do something called snorkeling because you need air to go into the diesel engine. So think of like think of like you're actually snorkeling and swimming around, and you yeah. put your snorkel up. That's exactly what they do. Okay. They bring in air. Gives away where you are, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. Okay, we're gonna get into that rabbit hole oh if you boy. want to. Okay, but I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> um, no, it definitely gives them away, and that's when they're most vulnerable. But if they want to dive, like all submarines mm-hmm. do, they have to switch over to the battery. Um, think of like rooms full of batteries to power this boat underwater. And batteries are typically lead acid, uh, so they give off themselves. They store and give off toxic fumes. So a lot of accidents and deaths have happened from toxic fume uh, leaks from these batteries. And there's one. There's one later in this story. Don't you need to cool batteries? You do. So, so how do they cool them on these? There's air ventilation that just puts fans that put air mm. through the battery well. There's also water being circulated around the battery compartment. Even in 1917. They would have to. The batteries would get way too hot. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I will I will tell you, around this time, a lot of submarines sunk just due to sheer accidents. Like, not because they were shooting each other, <laughs> because they were... It was a very new technology, and they would they would just spring a leak in something. Like, a, you know, the batteries can catch on fire pretty easily, too. So they would have a fire in the battery well, and they would just sink and all die. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Might want to cut out the last part of that dark part. But <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, okay, so right, this is the boat's still being constructed. These three engineers were working on the engine down in the in the engine room, and they just kind of slipped away from carbon monoxide poisoning. U 6 wives construction was eventually completed, and she set sail on her maiden voyage. So now she's going to go on some test runs. 
Only a short while under her first test run at sea, a surprise squall hit the vessel, and one of her lookouts was washed overboard, never to be seen again. On her next test voyage, U-65 began mysteriously taking on water with no apparent cause. One of her main ballast tanks, which is what allows a submarine to dive and surface on command, kept filling with water despite all the hatches and ports being shut. At one point, the boat actually sat on the ocean floor with no apparent way to make it back to the surface. Eventually, they were able to expel enough water, reach the surface, and return home. On her third test, two more sailors died of an apparent gas leak from the ship's battery. That's what I talked about before. Okay, I'm not going to lie. This doesn't sound spooky. This sounds like poor construction. So we're still in the, like, poor construction, bad luck phase. Okay. This does... This is pre-spooky. Yes, this is pre-spooky. You are right. This is mostly just, like, the boat's building a reputation for not being able to take care of people. Um, Okay. Would you say it's a big reputation? Nice. (laughs) By this time, the sailors have become very superstitious and concerned about the mysterious deaths surrounding their ship. Keep in mind that the boat hasn't even officially been sent on a mission yet. All of these deaths have occurred during construction and testing. The ship's captain, Captain Shell, was determined to put a rest to the rumors to protect the reputation of his boat and himself. Fast forward to the ship preparing for its first mission. The crew is loading torpedoes, and the evolution is being supervised by the second officer, Lieutenant Richter. Suddenly, one of the torpedoes explodes, and anyone in the surrounding area is injured. Lieutenant Richter eventually dies of his injuries and is the only one of the crew to die from this explosion. In order to keep the ship on schedule, repairs are made and replacement crew members are found. From here, U-65 begins her first mission. It ends up being a great success in which U-65 sinks five enemy vessels. The crew is celebrating their accomplishment and for a moment it seems like their woes are behind them. However, as they return home from their mission, the captain is called to the conning tower for what he is only told is a disturbing scene. Uh-oh. So the conning tower is, um, if you're on the surface, that's where you drive from. That's all the way up top, sort of like the pilot house or the command tower, or whatever you want to think of. But it's it's as high as you can go, and you would you would have the best vantage point to drive from there. So he goes up there, and he's told there's a disturbing scene. So you drive from the top of the submarine. There's no like little, there's no like helm of the submarine that you're hanging out in. Correct. No. Um, if you are um, if you're submerged, you are in, um, like, a control room, and that's where, like, all of your computer screens are, your your periscope is located. That's where you do actually physically drive the boat from. But if you're on the surface, um, the person who is controlling where you go is all the way up top, so you have the best, like, vantage point to see around you. Okay, but if you're at the top, mm-hmm. how do you know that you're not going to run into anything underwater? Like when you're on the surface? Yeah, like a whale. Uh, well, whales do get hit. Oh. That is that is a thing. Uh, you try and avoid it. Like if you see whales, you steer away from them. Because do you have like a radar or something where you like a whale dar? A whale dar? <laughs> we have sonar, so we can hear whales. Um, you can hear whales talking to each other from very far away. Can you see them? If they're like if they like broach the surface, you can see them and you can steer away from them. But what if you're underwater? Um, they're, so when you're underwater, they are actually, like, very good at getting out of the way. They, I would say that their senses underwater are better than ours. So you can see them, like, get close and then kind of, like, swim away. Okay. Does that make you feel better? Mm, a little bit. 
I'm not happy knowing that they get hit, though. It does happen. There are a lot of uh, ways and procedures to try and avoid it. Okay. So they, uh, the captain goes up to the conning tower. He reaches the tower, only to find the lookout is curled on the floor in terror. Oh, boy. When the captain demands that the man explain himself, the lookout can only point towards the bow of the ship. What's the bow? Uh, forward, so he looks out. Front. Okay. Yep, front. Um, the captain looks out amongst the waves and sees a man dressed in an officer's cloak and hat standing on the bow of the ship as waves crash around him. Um, the captain shouts for the officer to identify himself, but when the man turns around, the captain sees his second officer, Lieutenant Richter, who died in the torpedo oh, explosion. No. Lieutenant Richter smiles at him and then disappears as a wave crashes over him. The captain denies what he has seen, accuses the lookout of cowardice and drunkenness, and threatens that if he spreads any rumors of what he has seen, that there will be harsh consequences. Oh, boy. The captain could feel his control of the crew's morale (laughs) slipping away from him and felt their sideways glances as he walked the narrow hallways. Three days later, a man fell from the conning tower. So the conning tower is pretty high up down into the control room and broke his leg. He claimed, despite being the only man up in the tower, to have felt a tap on his shoulder, turned to see Lieutenant Richter standing next to him. His fright caused him to lose his balance and fall nearly 20 feet into the control room below. The two crew members that reached him to help him looked up the conning tower and saw a man staring down at them. Captain Shell threatened all three of them for spreading rumors and hysteria and claim the man only fell out of his own stupidity. So this is just their first mission. Oh, gosh. U-65's second mission, the hauntings and eerie encounters continued. Two engineers claimed to have seen Lieutenant Richter begin working alongside them before he got up and walked straight through a nearby wall. Ah. Unlike their first mission, in which they were successfully sinking multiple enemy ships, the second mission resulted in zero enemy vessels sunk. In fact, U-65 didn't see a single other ship for the entire mission and spent the entirety of the underway completely alone. Well, As the ship began its return journey home, tensions and superstitions ran high amongst the crew. Rumors started that they had actually been sunk and that all the crew members were already dead but prevented from passing over into the afterlife, and they were condemned to sail on their submarine on their ghost ship for an eternal patrol. So they started thinking that maybe they were all already dead because they didn't see anybody else around them. They thought they were just on an open ocean with nothing. Okay, I'm going to put a pin in this. Um, Have you heard of, it was in the U.S., I forget when it was, it was more recent than World War I, a, like, ship that apparently just disappeared and then, like, I don't remember if everybody on board died. It's like this really infamous case of a ship and like potentially just like disappearing for like 43 days or something like that. And I can't remember if they, everybody came back. I think everybody died and it was like really spooky. This sounds like a great story we should tell. I know. That's why I'm pinning it because I'm not doing a good job describing it. So is it a story for another day? It's a story for another day. Yeah. I like that though. I have listened to a lot of podcasts on it and I can't remember the ship's name not quite 26 days of it though not, apparently <laughs> not considering I can't remember the main points anyhow continue so well essentially the, the crew thinks like are we dead like have we have we been sunk and we just are still basically in, in limbo out here and uh, we're like not allowed to pass over yet 
So with such high tensions, crew members were poised for acts of fear and desperation. While working in the torpedo room, one sailor saw Lieutenant Richter appear and begin working alongside him. The sailor ran in terror through the ship, leaving a trail of confusion and panic in his wake. Before anyone could stop him, he climbed the ladder of the conning tower and threw himself overboard to be claimed by the sea. Oh, gosh. A few crew members, along with the captain, saw Richter standing nearby and watching the whole thing happen, which is now the second time that the captain has seen his second officer and still denies it. Okay, hear me out. People just assume that ghosties are out for for chaos and mm-hmm. bad things. What if he just wanted to keep working? Like, what if it he sounds like just, he just kind of shows up and like is working alongside yeah. his? Uh, Why not just let shipmates? him do his thing? Like, see him and say, "Hey, bud, how's yep. it going? Good job." He's only uh, you know he's only smiled at someone. He tapped someone on the shoulder. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if we'll see if he might be Uh-oh. malicious by the end. Oh gosh, uh, I have too much faith in people. So this was there are two missions in. So some time passes, they do a couple more missions, um, and then in an attempt to keep the ship engaged in the war, prevent the spread of rumors to the other submarines that might instill more fear and hysteria, and to preserve their reputation, senior officers actually ask a Lutheran pastor to come to the boat and conduct an exorcism. A Lutheran pastor? Yeah. So this is World War I Germany. Um, Do we not like Catholics in World War I Germany? Because I I I think exorcism is kind of... Historically Catholic. Um, I don't know what the majority was in in Germany at the time. Okay. Um, At the same time, much of the crew that was on board are quietly replaced with new crew members, Mm. and they spread them out and kind of dilute them to other stations throughout the fleet. For the moment, the problem appears to have passed. On the ship's fifth mission, and on the evening of July 10th, 1918, the tale of U-65 and her mysterious string of accidents will very abruptly end. Oh. An American submarine, on her way to assist an Allied vessel, stumbled upon U-65 on the surface of the water. The captain of the American ship, Captain Grant, looked at U-65 through his binoculars and determined her to be a German U-boat, but also noticed that U-65 was leaning very heavily to one side and that no one was in the conning tower driving. Oh. The American captain described the vessel to, quote-unquote, seem as though it was struggling. Just before he was about to give the order to shoot the enemy vessel, Grant noticed a single officer standing on the submarine's Mm. bow with waves crashing around him, looking out to sea. By Grant's account, the man, who was wearing an officer's coat and cap, turned to look directly at him. Keep in mind, Grant is looking at the ship through binoculars. Only a moment of eye contact occurs between uh, Captain Grant and the man on U-65 before U-65 gives a very sudden shudder and violent shake. Oh, gosh. As though hit by an explosion. Oh, gosh. And then sinks beneath the waves. The American ship circled the area for a few hours in search of survivors, but there were none. Whoa. Fast forward to 2004. Tell me they found it. They found it. Ooh, okay. 86 years later. A documentary crew making a film discovered the remains of U-65. The remains were studied and inspected by multiple nautical historians who found no signs of damage from an explosion or any indication that U-65 was sunk by any type of weapon. Oh, my gosh. However, it was noted that its aft hatch was open. It's what? It's aft hatch. So where people... (laughs) said it's ass hatch. It's ass hatch was open. What's an aft hatch? That's where people would get in and out. Oh. Um, so you would, you would uh, open it up as like a, 
a manhole to get in and out. Mm. So its aft hatch was open when it sank, indicating that crew members may have tried to escape, mm. but were somehow prevented from leaving the boat. Oh, my goodness. Would the aft hatch have been above the surface? Mm-hmm. Oh, spooky. Right? So I thought the same thing you did as I started reading this, that it was just like, oh, this is just like a string of accidents, like pretty unlucky. Like it sounds like they just like didn't make any of this well and they keep having just poor luck. But then uh, definitely some spookiness around it. Did they recover anything from the shipwreck or like is it still there? It wasn't clear if they studied photos or like video of it when they discovered it or if they actually like pulled it up. My guess is they just had photos of it because they were it was a documentary crew and they were just like filming beneath Mm -hmm. the ocean when they found these remains so I I would guess that they just filmed it and brought some of the the um footage back to like nautical historians and experts wow but I'm curious there was no like actual damage to it but the captain saw like some big shutter happen and then it sank so did the documentary people, like, I wonder if there was, like, an internal explosion that didn't break any of the walls? Like, how would you be able to tell that without going into the sub? Um, that's very possible. Um, like, that big battery room, maybe it went kaboom. The The battery compartment could definitely, like, start on fire, and then you would have potentially, like, internal that you wouldn't be able to see on the outside. You mm-hmm. would see, like, internal things that would fill the ballast tanks because mm. that's ultimately what would make you sink. I think it was Richter. I think he was angry. People weren't respecting him, respecting his authority, and I think he said, you know what? So he might have been a little bit malicious. We don't know. I think he was just upset. You think it was more of a vengeful act? Yeah, mm. and which is malicious, but... But I think that's also, like, the motive for a lot of hauntings is yeah. is it requires a vengeful act mm. for him to pass on. That's true. How did you find this? Did you just put it in the Google tube? Uh, a little bit of Google tube, a little bit of, um, like, just clicking through more and more links. I started with just, like, like ghost ship stories. Mm. And then... Is there a movie called Ghost Ship? Is there? I think so. I think it's really bad. Probably, I mean, if it only has the title Ghost Ship. Mm, 2002, horror mystery. I'm going to have to do some research. Mm-hmm. The film follows a marine salvage crew in the Bering Sea who discover a mysterious ocean liner that disappeared in 1962. I think it's uh, 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> That's my story. Thank you so much for sharing. I did not prepare another question for today. So uh, tell me something about yourself that I don't know. I've been waiting for like an opportunity on the podcast to bring this up because I think it's kind of a, it's old enough now that it's a fun story and like, the way that I introduce it will surprise you. Um, but then I'll give you the context. Um, the intro to it is I have a restraining order against someone. 
Um, and it's not like a scenario that you would think. So how this happened was when I was in, I think I was in high school, um, and I worked at the movie theater. It was my first job. I loved it. There was one night where, and we had, like, it was not a super nice movie theater. So, like, if people are coming to sneak into movies or they're coming to, I don't know, like, kids staying out late and just, mm-hmm. like. I snuck into a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I did, too. And I I got movies for free, and I also snuck into movies. We all do it. But we were that movie theater, right? We weren't super nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have a ton of staff. Look the other way. Exactly. Yeah. It's like happened. right. Exactly. Like we were that movie theater where you know if you know, kids are hanging out after their movie or something, they'll hang out in the parking lot mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but that attracted sometimes uh, just individuals that didn't have anywhere else to go. So there was there was one frequent. Uh, frequent guy who just came in and would typically cause some problems. He came in one night when I was working and I think it was like a weekday. So it's like not many people there, like me and one other, one other worker. And he comes through and he goes, uh, I've already got my ticket. So I'm just going to head on back to my, my theater. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, like, do you mind if I see it and I'll tell you where your, your theater is? Cause I knew he didn't have a ticket. Yeah. Um, he immediately says, like, you mind if I talk to your manager? Oh, boy. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. What's the problem? He just started, like, rambling. Like, you all always give me issues about, like, not having a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, like, you're discriminating against me and, like, you're harassing me. And he's like, so I just I want to talk to your manager. I've had enough of it. And so she comes out. I'm, like, 16 or 17 years old. And he starts accusing me. He's like, I've seen you on Facebook. Like, I know you're... Uh, like a predator and like you're like I've seen you post like terroristic things oh Jesus he's like just saying all sorts of random shit I'm this 16 year old kid like deer in the headlights uh, of all this stuff he's saying he's like I found you on Facebook I'm gonna tell everybody what you've done Um, and so he's just making all these threats of like you know he's gonna plaster my name all over I think it was just Facebook at the time uh, all over social media about like the stuff that I've done and so we call the police by this time. He knows we're calling the police. They show up. They, like, grab him a few blocks away. And they come back to the theaters. So, like, the, the cops come in, say, hey, like, we've got him in the back of the squad car. We just need you to come and identify to see if it's him. And so, like, during work, I'm, like, in my work uniform. Oh I go and I hop in this squad car. We drive a couple blocks, and they've got him in a parking lot. Um, and they, like, flash the spotlight on him. Uh, in this parking lot, and I'm like, yep, that's him. And we drive back to the movie theater, and they drop me off. So I find out this guy's got, like, obviously has a rap sheet already. Yeah. But then I get, I think it came in the mail, but part of just this, I think the city, it was either the city or the state pressing charges against him, was they issued a restraining order against both the premises. So he can't come onto the property anymore, mm-hmm. and then he can't come near me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I thought it, usually, like, you had to pursue them. I did not file anything. I was not involved in the process whatsoever. Huh. I, maybe it was because I was a minor. I was going to say, maybe, maybe, like, minors, they just do that as a precaution. It honestly all happened. It all happened, and it was over very quickly, the entire process. Like, I got the thing in the mail the next week. Oh. Um, it, like, had his name on it. It had my name on it. 
That's um, shocking. So Usually still, these things take forever. I still remember his first name. I don't think I remember his last <laughs> name, but I still remember his first name. But yeah, that that's my restraining order story. Yikes. It's this crazy guy coming into the movie theater, harassing some kid. You talked about um, hanging out in the parking lot, and that brought back a memory. Is this your answer of something I don't know about you, or is this a side note? This is definitely a side note. Okay. I still haven't thought of something to, to share, but okay. one of the most awkward dates, I don't know why it always comes back to this, um, I was... I was either a freshman or sophomore in high school and I had sort of recently become friends with this girl who was a senior and she asked if I wanted to go see a movie. I have no idea what the movie was. You know, it was probably a Friday or Saturday night. I was like, yeah, um, you know, let's, let's do it. And so we, I don't even remember if she, cause I didn't have my license at the time. I didn't have a car. I think she picked me up. And so we went to the movie theater, which was, you know, let's say 20 minutes from my house. And we got there, and her boyfriend at the time showed up. I was like, oh, I thought it was just the two of us, mm-hmm. but that, that's fine. I'm good, like, third-wheeling. And she's like, oh, no, you're not, you're not third-wheeling. Like, I've got, I've got somebody for you, she too. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what? And this guy walks in who, like, I knew. I went to a really small school. And he was, so like her boyfriend was also, I think he was a junior. And then I think the friend that he brought was also a junior. And the most awkward part was like, we were all on the cross country team together. And so I knew both of the guys and I like, I knew her boyfriend, but I knew the friend that she, that he brought and I had no interest in him, mm-hmm. but I guess she had told him like, Oh yeah, like, bring this guy, they'll have fun, whatever. And so he shows up and I'm like, oh, this is super awkward. This is like a blind date that I was not told about. (laughs) And so we go and watch this movie and it's, I think my friend and I sat next to each other and like her boyfriend sat on her right and the blind date of mine sat on my left. And I'm pretty sure at some point he went to like hold my hand and I was like, no, (laughs) like I... I don't, I, I don't, this is not what I want. And probably half an hour into the movie, my friend and her boyfriend left and they went out. I later found out they went out to his car. Okay. Actually, no, I take it back. They went out to her car and they ended up leaving and I had to get a ride home from my blind date that I didn't want to be there with. It was so awkward. But I later realized she came from, like, a very conservative family that didn't allow her to date. And so I was the excuse oh. to get her out of the house to go She to told movies. her parents yes. that she's with you. Yes. But then she goes off and has a Which, a frankly, I'm fine with. Yeah. Just say you're hanging out with me yep. and then don't. Like, I'll cover you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a... That's a pretty normal teenage friend thing to do. Yeah. If you're if you are upfront about it. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the most awkward dates, not dates of my life. But the movie theater brought you there. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. like, somewhat dangerous, pretty inconsiderate, but a little bit. Yeah. A little bit dangerous. Yeah. No, for sure. And like, you know, I my my parents were pretty conservative. Like, I wasn't really allowed to date in high school. 
And so I'm sure if my parents had seen that, like, some random dude dropped me off at home, like, it would not have ended well. Yep. (laughs) But I think from your friend's standpoint, like, make sure you get home safe. Make sure you have a safe way home. I know. And I honestly, I think she thought she was, like, doing me a favor. Like, oh, I'm going to surprise her. Set you up with this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Surprise her with this guy. Right. Something you didn't know you wanted. No. It was super awkward. Yeah, love it. Yeah, but a lot of memories at the movie theater. I remember sneaking an entire jar of peanut butter into the movie theater once. And a spoon? Yes. Oh. We used to, it used to be kind of a game of, like, what could we sneak in? Oh, yeah. After having worked at the movie theater, I worked there for a few years. Overall, I really liked it. Like I said, it was not a high-quality movie theater, so yeah. I, think, I think I liked the people that I worked with. As people, I didn't really hang out with them outside of work. Yeah, I worked in a grocery store, which was next to the movie theater. And in retrospect, I wish I worked at the movie theater. Grocery store was my second job. Oh my god, the grocery store is awful. Yeah. Well, I started. I think I was shortly after I turned sixteen. I started in like November, December. And the store that I worked at, they started you as a, like, cart retriever. And so I started in dead-ass winter. And it was awful. And I did that until, like, March or April. And then they moved me up to Bagger, which I loved. I loved Bagger. I didn't really have to talk to people. Mm -hmm. I just had, like, a job to do. It was kind of like Tetris. Super fun. And very quickly they were, like, we're going to put you on cash register. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Now you got to interact with people. Now i got to interact with people. So I did that, you know, through, through high school. Um, but I worked with my best friend at the time. So we were just wreaking havoc in this grocery store. Um, but we were right next to Colby college. And so every like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, if we worked from 7 PM to like 10 PM, our grocery store sold alcohol okay because it's legal in Maine um it would all be Colby College students who came through and me and my friend you know we were talking to cute college boys so we would really never check their ID they knew at some point like they could just come in and buy booze and we were never gonna check (laughs) so that was the one perk of working there Mm -hmm. yep do you have a something I don't know about you or do I have to wait I don't know like, I don't really have any hidden talents. No restraining orders? No. I should have one, but that's an off-air topic. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Um, no, I, I don't think I... I'm sure there's something. Every once in a while we find something. Like, apparently you're fluent in German. I'm <laughs> I am not fluent in German. <laughs> I can get by. I'll think of something. I'll bring something for next time. Okay. And it'll be your turn for a story. So maybe this uh, maybe this ship did disappeared. We can't do too many ships, we though. We can't do too many ships. People are going to think that we have a, a ship thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll come up with something spooky. I have an idea in my head, although it's another survival story, and I'm, okay. I might have to get a little bit morbid, save morb- the survival stuff for another day. A morbid survival story, huh? No, just a morbid story. <laughs> yeah. It'll be something good. Cool. I think yeah. that's all that's on our list. Cool. 
Wendy, same time next week? Same time next week.